0: Why, hello everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Coffee Connections with your host, your Uh Excited about today. I hope everyone's having a wonderful day. It's, it's beautiful weather here in Atlanta. I mean, really been nice this week. Uh, and, you know, middle of the afternoon, it's time for a cup of coffee, and this is our episode three. Uh, very excited to have Jen Hittinger Kendrick, co founder, community engagement director of Giving Kitchen. Now, Jen works full-time for The Giving Kitchen. Uh, she's been on the board and been a community involvement while providing a personal account of telling her story uh, to both local and national audiences. She's, uh, well, needless to say, it makes sense to have her here because she's an amazing spokesperson. Uh, and so it's a pleasure to have her. Uh, Jen, you may, you may recognize, her. you're gonna see her face, but like, I know this face because she was on Entrepreneur Magazine in 2007, she was on the cover Uh, And in 2017, uh, the Atlanta Braves and Fox Sports South presented her with a Community Hero Award. Uh, And even take it further, uh, she was involved with the organization when they won the James Beard Foundation's 2019 Humanitarian of the Year Award for the Giving Kitchen. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jen.
1: Well, hello. Thank you, Coffee Connection community. Really happy to be here. I really appreciate you, Seth.
0: Yeah, well, thanks so much. All right. But first, before we get anywhere, we got to talk coffee. Oh, yeah. And I asked all my guests it's about, about the size their of- mug. Tell us about your mug.
1: This one you'll see is is rather sizable. It's about the size of my face this morning. I need an extra large cup. But um, this is a John Wayne mug. Um, John Wayne is really important to our family. My husband's name is John Wayne. His father is a huge John Wayne fan and, um, uh, named him after the celebrity John Wayne. So we have a, a lot of John Wayne memorabilia here at the house and that's the biggest coffee mug in our cupboard that I picked up this morning.
0: All right. Well, um, I mean, I'm just thinking shooting because John Wayne now, you know, that's what's going on. Uh, well, my mug's not as exciting. I mean, I'm a I mean, you know, as a as a business owner, I am my own boss. S-
1: solid, must have. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but in truth, be told, uh, I got that from one of my first employees. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure she got it at a uh, Salvation Army. But you know, <laughs> worth um, everything. <laughs> uh, all right, you know, and now in in, in re- regards to coffee, drip or French press?
1: Oh. Drip. I, the French press gets me every time with all the granulars. I can never get the consistency right. It's always gritty. I'll just drip over that.
0: Okay. Iced or hot? Hot. And what else would I want would to know about? Oh, yeah. Dark? Medium? What's your roast?
1: Ooh, I'm definitely a less acidic individual. So give me something a bit more robust is what I like.
0: Okay. I'm not Hasidic. I'm Jewish, but not acidic. Uh, <laughs> I heard acidic, you know, this is how my brain of course, works. Of course, of course. Um, will you please be so kind to tell us your story a little bit and, and talk about the Giving Kitchen and tell us a lot more about your mission?
1: Absolutely. So Giving Kitchen is a statewide agency. Uh, and what we do is we offer crisis assistance to food service workers. Plain and simple. We like to say that we have the ability to offer stability to food service workers. Um, And it started uh, based off the story of my late husband, Ryan Heidinger, who is a chef here in town. Uh, He and I actually moved to Atlanta in late 2004. He started working for one of the best restaurants in the city under uh, Chef Quatrano, who had some really amazing business uh, sense and one of the best restaurants in, in many people's opinions here in Atlanta back then, um, and had the ability to really learn under her uh, before he moved on and eventually found a home uh, at Muss and Turner's, which is a used to be kind of a local Smyrna sandwich shop turned full service um, business, full service restaurant. Um, And he was there for many, many, many years uh, before he was diagnosed with uh, uh, cancer. Um, What happened, though, is in 2008, right before his 30th birthday, he was actually in a really severe car accident that took him out of work for a couple of months. And that time frame allowed him the opportunity to just kind of sit back and reflect on all of the things that he and I were able or wanted to accomplish uh, by being a couple in this city of Atlanta. And one of those opportunities for us was a grassroots effort in um, building a community of our own. So as a chef, um, my background was in advertising and a little bit of marketing and retail. Um, You know, this was really a dream idea of his to start to host people in our home and create what we called Prelude to Staple House, which is an underground supper club. We started that in January of 2009 after he got better from that car accident and healed um, and slowly but surely, you know, this was an avenue for us to really get to know our city in a unique way, to get to understand and learn about our community in a unique, in a unique way, and for them to get to know us and our style and philosophy on food and culture, et cetera. And, um, it was a really great uh, opportunity for us and about a, um, a little while later, we decided that that was really what we wanted to do as a couple in the city was to uh, join forces as a business partnership, he and I outside of marriage also as business, um, and we wanted to open up a restaurant of our own called Staple House. So we did not know the time frame in which that would happen, um, but that was something that we really looked forward to. And if you progressed then a few years after that, it was December uh, 21st of 2012 to be exact. Uh, Ryan wasn't feeling well for a week or two before that. Um, and a series of tests led to an MRI um, on the 21st of December in, in 2012. And that was when the news of a stage four cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. with a six month um, term uh, was given to him. He was he was diagnosed with stage four gallbladder cancer. And it was really uh, all that to say, the, the the reality of what happened after that was quite a life-changing moment and experience for us. It was truly the community's response, our family and friends in our community, backing us every step of the way. Um, that really inspired the idea of Giving Kitchen. Um, by the time he was diagnosed to the time that uh, there was an event put on uh, to aid in his benefit and our benefit as a couple, it was about three and a half weeks between his cancer diagnosis wow. and this event. Um, a community fundraiser was put on, nearly 800 people showed up, 40 restaurants and bartenders, a live auction. And what was supposed to raise just $25,000 to help us kind of get through a hurdle ended up raising over $250,000 to aid in our benefit. Oh my gosh. And so that really was kind of that, that light bulb inspirational, there's there's nothing available to help a community or an industry in need. Um, and that's really when founding board members um, and Ryan and I came together and said, we've got to do something bigger something more. So that was what sparked the notion and the idea for Giving Kitchen.
0: Wow, that's, that's amazing. And uh, how quickly did you become a nonprofit then? Um, you know, so from from that, I mean, did you did you put that that money back into it right away? And-
1: you know what? There was, a, we became a nonprofit very quickly. It's actually a pretty funny and interesting question you asked because I typically um, to gain nonprofit status is is typically a you know a feat that takes a couple of eighteen months, a couple of years. Typically, five
0: lawyers, eighteen yep. months. You know, exactly. <laughs> and fifty thousand in the bank.
1: Exactly, exactly. And it was, it was really, again, a community effort. It was, um, you know, the realization that there was something massively needed. Um, We didn't understand what that impact would be yet, but we knew that there was something that was needed. So in shockingly, in three months time, we were given a 501c3 status. Thank you to one of our founding board members. Who is um, a restaurant attorney and a nonprofit expert in that arena? Who was able to facilitate that for us? But um, it was it was very quickly in 2013 that we were able to give away you know the first pieces of financial assistance to individuals who were really affected um, by crisis. And it's it's been amazing to see the growth. I mean, I could give I could talk for hours about what happened then and how we've how we've grown. Uh, it's been remarkable.
0: Well, that's why it's coffee connections. We got you caffeinated so that we can <laughs> shrink that hour into. 20 minutes. No kidding. (laughs) Um, so building a board, I mean, like, I just imagine that when you started, uh, I mean, just look, just hearing the support you had to, to raise that much money that quickly. Then you go and you, then you go into, um, excuse me, then you go into build yourself into a nonprofit. How -hmm. quickly was it to build a board? Uh, did you have too many people? Did you have to, or is it
1: that was really one of the most amazing things I've ever witnessed. You know, Ryan and I at that time um, had nothing to do with putting together that initial fundraiser of which we call Team Heidi. Heidi being short for our last name of, of Heidinger. Um, and, you know, it was Ryan's um, former bosses really became some of his biggest mentors um, and still to this day, like my brothers. Um, it was really their guiding um you know expertise in and having the right connections where that initial board uh, really just kind of flocked they, again realizing that there were you know food service industry leaders in our community who said this is something I want to be a part of I can see how this will impact a very large group of people and that's right. amazing because in 2013 this started off giving kitchen really just started off as a nonprofit helping restaurant people only and only inside this very small, like inside the perimeter of Atlanta. And Mm. now, seven years later, we cover all of food service. So that includes members of the catering uh, companies, um, food trucks, concession stands, and all full service or quick service restaurants. Throughout the entire state of Georgia, so we'll do that in two different ways today. One being through our financial assistance program, where we can cover your rent or mortgage and basic living expenses like your utilities, um, or we offer a stability network program, uh, which is essentially a connection to community resources when those food service workers need more than just financial assistance.
0: And I think that's a really important piece there, though. That it's not just helping the chefs out. It's not just the chefs. This is this is. Everyone. I mean, you're you're helping waitresses, waiters to to the I mean, I didn't know about the food trucks. That's that's interesting.
1: It is all food service. And what's remarkable is, you know, Georgia alone has over 400 based off, you know, this is kind of pre covid as far as like what we've been able to calculate um, for food service workers. Uh, But we have over 420,000 food service workers in the state of Georgia. So we are here to make sure that those individuals, whether they're impacted by a crisis like COVID-19 under a mandatory quarantine or otherwise, or any other illness or injury or a housing disaster, like a flood or a fire or even the death of an immediate family member, they can come to us, fill out an application, seek out financial assistance or again, um, a stability network resource from so us if as well. They've,
0: if they've lost their opportunity for revenue, they can come to you if for, due to these different reasons.
1: They can, and I'm gonna qualify that just by saying, you know, if you are at work and slip and fall, and all of a sudden you're now out of work because you broke your leg for six weeks, yes, that is a qualifying circumstance for us. Mm-hmm. Regretfully, Giving Kitchen does not cover unemployment or underemployment, and that is something that we've been really adamant about since day one. So this is for seven right. years and even more so since COVID-19 hit. We really had to understand kind of our, our, our breaks and our capacity and really define our clarity and purpose of mission in order to be able to help more people. And I'll make a note that, you know, right when COVID hit <clears throat> was, I mean, it's still today, it's still one of the most difficult, most challenging times for so many people um, and those people within this this food service establishment, um, I mean, it's been debilitating. Um, it's been a major struggle, and we've seen it all the way through. I will say, if we were an organization that ultimately helped underemployment or unemployment uh, from a financial standpoint, uh, we would have had to have multi, 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 multi millions of dollars to be able to do that, and we would have failed miserably. The opportunity that we have, though, to be able to help those underemployed or um, unemployed or, again, any food service worker who's experiencing any of those qualifying crises, what we have done is built a stability network program. And that ended up happening a couple of years ago based off the need that we were seeing over the course of years. Many, many times um, an individual working in a restaurant or or wherever the capacity might be came to us and qualifying crisis, we would give them financial help. And then we realized a couple months later, they were suffering um, severely with with mental health. So we found out that, you know, being able to connect these individuals to mental health counselors or other service providers and specialty doctors or Mm -hmm. um, housing stability programs or uh, legal services, things like that, that's all a part of our stability network program that we're able to connect those individuals to.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Now, when COVID hit though, I imagine that your phones probably just rang from everyone like, I'm out of work, what do I do? I'm calling Giving Kitchen, they can help. Uh, mm-hmm. how did you how did you deal with that as an organization?
1: Absolutely. You know, we luckily we had our stability network program um kind of in place. It was, right, it, it right. was still certainly something that is growing massively all the time. But I will say in that early March timeframe, you know, we as an organization started to telework pretty immediately and successfully. In that first week when, when COVID really started to impact Georgia and we were starting to you know, um, facilitate those inquiries, we saw 20 times the amount of volume come our way. Uh, we saw more requests for help in that very first week in COVID than we did the entire year of 2018, if that can put it into perspective. Wow, I What we were we able to do is develop specifically a COVID-19 resource page, so that does include uh, local resources, regional and national resources. So similar, again, the mental health counseling all the, all the way to a, a local service provider or specialist for some sort of doctor. Um, we've been able to put that on. It is our number one most viewed uh, web page on our website with nearly 70,000 unique page views um, by far in our Giving Kitchen history. Uh, and so that's, that has been a remarkable resource to those who are seeking guidance if they're unemployed, underemployed, or, or again, just really need some stability um, uh, from a housing perspective or even some free meals that are being offered around our community.
0: Now, just to give a little bit more perspective, before COVID, how many, how many, restauranteur, uh, how many people were you able to help in a given year, roughly?
1: I will say I'm having to do some quick math in my head. So we will. Yeah, I know. Right. I will say I'll give a few statistics. Since our inception, we have been able to award over $3.6 million in financial assistance, um, including COVID so far to date um, in service of over 6,000 individuals. So that's through either financial assistance or through our stability network program. since COVID specifically alone, so we're looking at like a March 10th approximately to maybe last week, um, we've been able to award over $355,000 in financial assistance. And I will say this, July alone, July 2020, this year alone, just in these first seven months, is our third largest year in financial assistance giving. And last year, uh, we didn't see a month like that, oh, but only twice. So the the exponential factor is that it's just we're seeing so 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 many more. And the reality is too is as our restaurants are reopening and our you know our we're going back to work and accordion. it's an accordion. Yep, you
0: know? good.
1: that good. were that we there was a time where we saw the influx started to dip a bit because yeah. everybody was home and, you know, our food service workers maybe weren't going to work. So less car accidents or less slip and falls or less house fires. Cause they were there and, and aware of what's going on. And <laughs> I mean, whatever the case may be, there was, right, right, I mean, yeah. even honestly, even funerals, it's devastating to hear. I mean, I, I, there are, the uptick in the amount of illnesses and funerals are more than we've ever seen before. Those two categories specifically, huh. But we're also seeing the delayed or the deferred, um, you know, funeral. So these are cases that are happening right, right now, but right. that an individual may not be able to bury a son, a daughter, a mother, a father until sometime next year. Um, and these are, the, I mean, this is this is real and difficult. Yeah, it's, it's um, real, really, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, all right. So let's let's talk about fundraising here for a second because, you know. This organization, folks, if you don't, if you're not aware, you probably aren't even aware that you've given money to this organization because if you eat out in Atlanta and you eat at good restaurants, I'm looking at you, Decatur. Then you probably have given a portion of your proceeds of, of, of your dining experience to Giving Kitchen. Without you know, there's a lot of promotions like that. Now, as as times are changed, I'm curious, Jen. Like, um, if you could talk a little bit about some of the fundraising you've done that has been successful. Then let's talk a little bit more about the challenges you're facing now with fundraising and um, we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know Team Heidi, as I mentioned from the very beginning, was a fundraiser that was originally put on for Ryan and myself and then every other year since then has been one of the largest annual, was the largest annual fundraiser for Giving Kitchen um, and brought in a third of our <clears throat> funding for the year in years past. Um, you know, we are supported primarily by the food service industry. We are a nonprofit that works. Um, very intimately and closely with restaurants for participation in events, which we hold all year long. Um, and we hold specialty partner fundraisers all year long. Um, and in, in the same way, you know, you mentioned uh, Decatur and, and every other participating restaurants who has ever done anything for Giving Kitchen, whether it was you know a certain percentage of proceeds for an evening or a percentage of a cocktail or whatever that might be, this is a really engaging way for our community to have skin in the game and be involved and be able to share the story because that is our number one. That's our greatest gift. Share the story. Let people know we're here. But what's happened since COVID is the reality is our community is struggling. And we have made a commitment pretty early on that, you know, we are going to be an organization that um, will be here for our community, thick and thin. But we are committed to not asking for a single dollar from our restaurant community for the remainder of this year. Um, And that's really allowed us the opportunity to kind of take um, a different lens on the fundraisers or the events that we had through the end of the year. Um, We've canceled a lot, just like every other business or organization, just because it's not safe or doesn't make sense for our community. Um, And what we have seen though on the other side is a tremendous um, kind of unheard of response to that. Our community far and wide through corporations, family trust, individual giving has been absolutely outstanding. We have seen over 5,000 donors come to Giving Kitchen just since the beginning of March, since COVID hit, and 90% of those individuals are brand new donors. They heard about our story. They care about their food service workers. They understand that being able to give to a charitable organization that has a larger um, reach is really important, Um, and that's really what we've been able to nurture I think, really well since the beginning of COVID specifically.
0: How how are you reaching them? Uh,
1: Thank you to people like you. Uh, (laughs) And thank you. I mean, and truly it is, it's been remarkable to see, you know, individual giving has completely changed the course of our kind of, I mean, our strategy moving forward. How do we engage these individuals and nurture the relationships? Because that is absolutely, it's our highest priority Um, outside of, Following um, the mission of Giving Kitchen, which is to support our programs team in offering this crisis assistance, um, and you know we were seeing it's it's the individuals that have a birthday and they'll donate through Facebook or through right. Instagram. I mean, quite right, so can, know, like can we easy. dissect
0: that a little bit though. That because that's a big piece. I don't I don't think. Well, I'm sure a lot of people realize it, but uh, are, I'm personally seeing a trend that the birthday fundraisers are. They used to just raise a little bit, and now mm-hmm. I'm seeing them raise a lot, like in the thousands of dollars in, in a lot of cases. Um, For sure. So you're seeing that trend as well.
1: We absolutely are seeing that trend. People want to be connected to something, and especially right now. And I think they look at this as an opportunity to, to give back and, and obviously look far be- beyond themselves.
0: Absolutely. Um, so... You've, you've got the live events uh, that, are you planning on that again? I saw the date for January. Is that still kind of in the works?
1: Um, you know, it's, it's on hold at the moment. You know, it's, it's unrealistic that we'll have a 1,200-person a, a party under one roof. Um, right, right but that enough. is something that we are we are actively um, engaging and talking with our, our immediate partners and our committee about uh, on how we represent Giving Kitchen from an event standpoint for the, remaining, the remainder of the year and looking into right. the first, second quarter of next year.
0: Are you looking at doing virtual events at all?
1: Absolutely. There's always that possibility. You know, we, um, you know, earlier on, there was actually an event that we host um, for the past few years. In the past, it was called uh, Giving Kitchen Supper Club. And it was an opportunity for us to, um, in the past pre-COVID, to say, you know what, go out, join a community of people fundraise on behalf of Giving Kitchen, you know, cook together at your home, invite people over um, and share the story of Giving Kitchen and, you know, put up a donate page and, and raise some money. And we ended up taking that um, off the table for this year and ended up doing a Giving Kitchen virtual table. And, and essentially the same idea. If you're hosting an event, which, of course, a lot of our restaurant partners were already doing, you know, Zoom, you know, wine happy hours or whatever that might yeah, be. Yeah. And we said, if you're willing to share a Giving Kitchen story, fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's things like that um, are, are wonderful opportunities. I think our biggest champions, though, right now are you know it's it's a lot of the cause marketing. It's a lot of the our um, partners out there who are producing beers for Giving Kitchen or ice cream for Giving Kitchen yeah. or um, you know wine and 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 spirits and and all of those things that where proceeds go directly to us. So we are—we truly are just counting on those individuals in that capacity to to help share the word.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So there's a lot going on, and you all are continuing moving forward on, and that's just amazing. Um, is there anything else you want to share uh, with with all of our viewers here?
1: Yes. Please visit GivingKitchen.org. That is our website. I will say too that we also have an app. Uh, so you. If you know a food service worker who needs help, or if you are a food service worker who needs help, you are in crisis, you are suffering from an illness, an injury, the death of a family member, or a housing disaster, please seek help from Giving Kitchen. Uh, You can do it very easily on your app or at givingkitchen.org. Of course, fundraising for us is so valuable. It continues to allow us to do the work that we do and stay operational. Um, But the biggest gift, as you heard me say earlier, is just to please share the word.
0: That's awesome, and you said "app," which gives me the idea of an appetite. So you know. I like it. <laughs> um, well, I want to 1st end by saying thank you so much for all the work you've done. Uh, you know your your story uh, that there's such a big takeaway from it, and I hope that people you know they they get the mission and understand all of that. But also, when something happens, you gotta you gotta make the best of situations, and it's not always the best for yourself. But you can take a situation and make the best for others, which you've really clearly done here. It's super impressive. Uh, I got to tell you, everyone I've ever came encounter with that uh, is uh, involved with Giving Kitchen are just amazing people. So you, the organization, surrounded by such wonderful people, uh, and and I've met people that have been able to be a benefit, uh, benefit 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 mm-hmm. from your awards, and they're super appreciative. So thank you so much for what you do. Now I close every show with you, with our guests to be able to pick um, one of our future guests. So, do you have any recommendations for a future guest here on Coffee Connections?
1: I do. I'm going to I'm going to actually mention two and for a couple of touchpoint reasons. You know, the one of the I'm a new mom. I have a 6-month-old and oh, I'm really attuned to the the reality of, you know, Giving Kitchen is there to help the members of our food service community, but it our our reach and our impact goes much much further than just that individual um you know nearly 50 percent of the households and the individuals that we help have other members and other family members in their household and even more so than that they have at least one child i think our our statistic is actually 2.1 interestingly enough of children in the households that we help so that's extremely important to me so in regards to um sharing uh, some praise for some other really amazing work that's being done in our community. Tate's Club is a really amazing nonprofit that assists families and children um, through the process of, of really major loss. Um, in their lives um, through therapy and alternative activities. Um, Kate Atwood is the founding member of that. Based off her story, she's really a powerful human and Kate's club is doing really amazing work. And I'm gonna mention the second one, which is something that we've turned to quite regularly as a partner through Giving Kitchen. Um, And I've said it a lot, you know, through mental health counseling and how vital and important that is. Um, Not only does Giving Kitchen offer free suicide prevention training for any food service worker in America, um, all you have to do is go to Giving Kitchen's website. If you want to take that, Uh, it's called QPR uh, question, persuade, refer uh, training. It's a 45 minute online training. We will take care of the cost for that if you're a food service worker. But in regards to a partnership here locally is the Metropolitan Counseling Services um, and offering statewide telehealth services. Uh, to food service workers and specifically at nearly no cost um uh through quarantine if you're um coming to us or coming to us for help we can give you that resource
0: that's amazing mental health is key i I'm, i'm so glad that i'm i'm it's sad how it's come to become part of conversation, but my God, it's about time people start talking about mental health. I mean, look, people spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars going to the gym to work their muscles, but then they don't spend the money or the time to work their mental muscle. And that's right. the muscle we got to deal with every day. So yeah. I commend you for that because it's so important.
1: It is. We, we believe so as well.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Folks, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, You can check com. There's a Coffee Connections page for all the past episodes, as well as who's coming up. Uh, Jen, have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you for uh, joining us here.
1: You as well. Thank you, Seth. I appreciate it.